White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly, November the 26th. Hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I know I did. My tales of Thanksgiving disappointment and triumph maybe later on in the show. But we got some stuff to talk about in this episode of White Sox Weekly. There are some live swirling White Sox rumors here over the last 24 hours and we're going to get into them. It connects a free agent starting pitcher to the White Sox. So we'll talk about what might be on tap for the Southsiders during this hour. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Give us a ring. I got a question for you right off the top. Rumors have it. Reports are that the White Sox are very interested in free agent starter Mike Clevenger, a right-hander, former Cleveland starter with the Padres the last two years, 32 years old in December. We'll get into the numbers, the stats, the injuries, the ups and downs of Mike Clevenger if the White Sox did add him into the rotation. But right, right as we get going here, what do you think about the rumors that are out there? This could be the first and maybe most impactful, maybe, free agent move for the White Sox this offseason, if indeed it does get done the way a lot of reports are saying that it is close. We'll talk to Jesse Rogers of ESPN at 2.15, just a couple of minutes here, and get the latest on what he's hearing on the hot stove. Uh, but that is kind of the news over the last 24, whether it's uh, our guy Jesse or James Feigen, the athletic, Ken Rosenthal of the same, all kind of reporting that this is uh, you know, getting getting pretty loud, getting pretty noisy with the White Sox and right-handed starter Mike Clevenger. So that's kind of the news. We'll dig into it here as we begin the show. But Sox fans, 2023 ticket plans are available now. We offer a variety of plans. And when you lock in today, you'll get flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash season tickets. So, you know, just as as we get going here, I, I think it's important to remember that as White Sox general manager Rick Hahn kind of wrapped up the season, his end-of-year press conference three days before the season actually ended due to Tony La Russa stepping away from the ball club, stepping away as manager. Um, also during Rick Hahn's kind of impromptu or informal, I should say, press conference at the uh, general manager meetings last uh, earlier this month, the, the the talk had been from Rick specifically, but also you know from reports by uh, you know national writers and local beat writers too, that the White Sox' primary mode of adding talent to the 2023 team was likely going to be in trade and not free agency. Han said almost essentially that a couple of different times here, and while. It's interesting that the first big rumor here, the, the mo- maybe most connected rumor, is going to be a free agent signing. It is also possible, given the nature of the player, Mike Clevenger, and the impact that a starter could have on the White Sox, that, that the most impactful thing may well happen 
as a free agent signing as well. All right, let's dig into it, shall we? So you know Mike Clevenger. I think White Sox fans know Mike Clevenger pretty well. Uh, and as we sit here this afternoon, it's uh, things seem tight. So let's talk about what adding Mike Clevenger might look like for the White Sox in 2023. Obviously, you've got Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and Michael Kopech already in the White Sox rotation. And Davis Martin did a really good job filling in in a bunch of different starts last year. Johnny Cueto is a free agent out there on the market, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a reunion for the White Sox and Cueto, hence we get down to these reports about Mike Clevenger. Cease, of course, made 32 starts through 184 innings, finished runner-up in the AL Cy Young. I would imagine he starts opening day. He's that kind of good and made those kind of steps. Lucas Giolito with an up-and-down up year, had a one, 161 and a two-thirds innings year. He wasn't great. And in some places, you know, he struggled. He, he got on a small run or two here or there and looked like Lucas Giolito. But what he did do, you know, if you're looking kind of like the high floor, low ceiling kind of situation for Lucas, he did take the ball um, and did throw 160-something innings. So at the very least, you've got that kind of thing, that kind of reliability. Also, uh, you know, we've talked about this a lot during the offseason, and, and I kind of believe this to be true. I know a lot of White Sox fans do. Lucas has done... Lucas in the past has gone to the workshop during the offseason and revamped everything at times in order to get himself to being one of the better pitchers in the American League. And I think when you ask around, whether it's about Lucas the guy or whether it's about the stuff, the velocity, the injuries, all that kind of thing, there's a lot of trust that Lucas can do it again in an offseason where teams are going to have a lot more ability or, or just any ability to talk to their guys during the offseason in a way that, that wasn't allowed during the lockout last year. So that's just something to file away. Lance Lynn got on a roll in his last eight, nine, ten starts last season after a very slow start due to the you know knee surgery and all that kind of thing. Lynn could be another guy. Bounces back and pitches toward the top of the rotation. Michael Kopech's an interesting one, obviously, and we've talked about him a lot. But Clevenger fits in as as that fifth guy, if indeed this is where the White Sox are heading. And it's a fifth guy that, you know, I, I'm just talking about of the, you know, the one through five, right? Not a one, not a two, not a three, not a four, not a five, but just in in that group of five. He fits in pretty well as a as a buy low and potential big return kind of guy. Clevenger was drafted in 2011 in the fourth round, kind of an out-of-nowhere prospect that got traded into the Cleveland organization in 2014. Cleveland does such a great job of developing pitching, and Clevenger, uh, you know, to his own credit, worked a lot, worked very hard, a driveline kind of guy uh, that got better over his minor league career. Cleveland helped a little bit, uh, and, and he has a, a 2.96 ERA over nearly 500 innings. From 2017 until 2020, a high strikeout guy, overpowering stuff up until that point. Then he gets traded to the San Diego Padres in a big, you know, headline deal. Gabriel Arias, Austin Hedges, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, Cal Quantrill. That's how Cleveland got all of those dudes. It was the Mike Clevenger trade in 2020, right at the deadline. Made some starts there for San Diego, struggled in the postseason, both then and this year. Uh, also, is coming off of Tommy John surgery. He had Tommy John uh, and had a triceps injury 
in 2020 with the Padres. Didn't pitch much for them at all. Did not pitch at all in 2021. He is now a two-time Tommy John guy, having gone through the same procedure while he was in the minor leagues. I believe it was 2013, if memory serves. It For Clevenger, what, what I think teams see is a guy who has shown the ability to miss bats when healthy and hasn't been healthy so much over the last two years. I wouldn't be surprised if the shape and size of a free agent deal for Mike Clevenger, whether it is with the White Sox or not, is something like a you know, one-year deal maybe with an option. I think probably for a guy that has logged 140-something innings, 120-something innings in the last season, probably feels like a, a $10 million-ish dollar deal. That's about the going rate for for that type of pitcher, kind of that buy low, potential high, you know, sort of dude right in the middle of that rotation and potentially higher. Um, it, if that is the case, this fits some of the reports that we've been seeing about the White Sox and their kind of off-season budget, right? About $190 million on the payroll into 2022. The White Sox have talked some about shaving that down into the $180 million range or so. The White Sox also, listen, when when Ethan Katz gave his kind of, um, you know, Dylan Cease, AL's runner-up Cy Young press conference at the end, there was a lot of talk about Dylan and everybody else in the White Sox rotation. But Ethan Katz was uh, pretty clear saying that the White Sox are, are a starter short. So, you know, if indeed this is the addition, the first in this offseason for the White Sox, Mike Clevenger, as, as has been reported in a couple of different places, that these two sides, Clevenger and the White Sox, are, 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 are talking a lot here over the last couple of days. Um, this probably fits both the, the available innings and the budget. Now, some drawbacks, I think, of this potential matchup, Clevenger and the White Sox. You are banking on a guy to be healthy in 2022, 2023. And, and when you, when you kind of group that together with the concerns that you may or may not have in different you know, sizes and shapes of, of Lucas Giolito remaining healthy and, and being the guy he needs to be in 23, Lance Lynn being a little older and having already come off of that knee surgery in 22, Michael Kopex coming off off-season surgery, had the meniscus and the cyst repaired in his knee, and also uh, has, has been talked about as being a guy who is, is probably ready for five innings and 85 pitches by the time the season started. That's the expectation for the White Sox. But, you know, baked within that is what if, what if he's not, you know? Um, you do then have four guys in that rotation, Giolito, Lynn, Kopech, Lovinger, that have some fairly significant or, or at least understandable health concerns that make you wonder about the rest of the depth the White Sox have as an organization starting pitching-wise. It's Davis Martin and then what in terms of guys who are able to step up and make starts at the major league level when need be. You know, To that end, I would expect that when we get a month, two months from now, that you're seeing the White Sox and you know, compete with a lot of other teams for guys to fill out that seven, eight, and nine spot in the rotation. You know, you never go through the year with all five starters healthy. That's just nearly impossible in this day and age. So you're looking for, you know, when I, I take a look at the preseason projections, and we'll do that a little bit later on in the show as well, 
I'm, I'm more concerned with the organization's depth of pitching as opposed to just what that 26-man roster looks like. Sure, your starting five, your top guys are important, but what else do you have behind that if injury besets, if, if, if disaster falls, right? you got to make sure that you've got the depth you need in order to make it through 162 games. So, you know, those concerns are, are fair, I think for a lot of different people when you look at Mike Clevenger, whether he signs with the White Sox or not. What is, I think, pretty interesting here is last year for Mike Clevenger, in his first 10 starts with San Diego, he had a 27, pardon, 24.7% strikeout rate. That's pretty good in his last 11 while he was dealing with, you know, a little bit of a knee issue. Uh, he had a knee sprain that sat him out of April of 2022, and that seemed to linger all year. He also hit the injured list with the triceps injury last year as well. Um, in his last 11 starts, that strikeout percentage fell to about 13%, 13.5%. And that's, you know, that that's not missing many bats. The velocity had been down over his, over the 2022 season as well. Instead of being in the, the mid-90s, that 95 range, you're looking more at that 90, 91, 93. Clevenger did throw a game against the White Sox in that last road trip of the season. Uh, he made the start against the Sox. I called that game, actually, with Darren Jackson uh, and looked, you know, looked all right. I mean, he, he didn't look like Mike Clevenger, but he looked all right. It was the last start of the regular season for Clevenger. He went six innings, gave up one run against the White Sox, struck out three, and the one run was on a home run, actually. So uh, it was just kind of, you know, one of those additions by the Padres where uh, Clevenger was kind of the, the first, if, if, if I'm right, of their big, notable ads uh, to become what they have been. Uh, and, and it just didn't quite pan out injury-wise for Clevenger and the Padres. So he's looking for a new destination, and it might be that the White Sox are it. When we come back, we'll talk to Jesse Rogers about the, his reporting on this situation, what he's hearing in terms of the hot stove and Mike Clevenger to the White Sox, as is uh, rumored in a couple of different places. See if we can nail this thing down. We'll talk about what may be next on the trade market for the Sox and some other teams as well. So Jesse Rogers joins us next. It's White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. On app. The ESPN Chicago app. In HD. 100.3 HD2. And of course on AM. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. Become a White Sox insider today for the sweepstakes, special offers, the Friday Five, pre-sales, and other exciting Sox content delivered free to your inbox. Visit WhiteSox.com slash insider today. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly. We've got our own insider, Jesse Rogers, joining us on the phone here in the middle of the show. Jesse, appreciate you as always. Uh, the conversations are getting hotter and hotter. The stove continues to warm. What do we know uh, about the potential of the White Sox and free agent starter Mike Clevenger getting together? What kind of fit might it be? Yeah, good to talk to you, Connor. Um, I think right now at this very moment, if you want to get a jump on getting a Clevenger White Sox jersey, go ahead and do that. I think this is in the crossing the T's, dotting the I's stage, which still includes a physical and all that stuff, which for him is important. He ended the season with a bit of a knee injury. In fact, he started the season with a knee injury, ended it with a knee injury. Of course, a year now or two years removed from Tommy John surgery 
So the physical is always important. But again, we're in the crossing the T's, dotting the I stage. I think I heard you earlier, one year, 10, 11, 12 million, that kind of thing. Um, as uh, I think you described it pretty, pretty well, a buy low, but without, it, it's not a player without risk. There is some risk with him mm-hmm. when you're talking about a team that's probably going to be limited in terms of free agent spending. You better be right. You, you, you target your guy and you better be right when you get him. And like I said, Clevenger ended a little injured, didn't pitch well in the playoffs. So you're really hoping to buy low on him and, and, and see him return to that Cleveland Indian slash, you know, guardian form which he had a few years ago. The barrel rate wasn't great this year. Gave up a bunch of home runs, 20 home runs, including half of those basically at Petco Park. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a pitcher's park. So some of the outlying numbers, not great, but that's why we call him a buy-low candidate, but still with risk. So when you talk about a team that's not going to spend a ton probably, we're not getting Verlander here in Chicago probably, not getting DeGrom, I don't mind the signing with all those, you know, all that context attached to it. What sort of competition do you get the sense that, that there is around Clevenger? You know, like I said, like like you said, rather, he's not signed yet, just the T's to cross and the I's to dot. But but also, you know, we, we'd heard rumors that the White Sox were interested in Clevenger when he was on the market uh, back in 2020 and ended up going to the Padres in the first place. Um, is this a... Is this a long-time kind of uh, uh, a dream for the White Sox, so to speak? Is this a matchup they've been looking to put together, it feels like? Yeah, you do hear that often. We've always liked this guy. We tried to get him in this year or that year, and he finally became available. That's why I'm surprised the White Sox never picked up Jock Peterson a couple times when when he was available because Mm -hmm. there was a time when they wanted him, and and they've never hooked up with him. But they have here with Clevenger, fastball, slider, Cutter, changeup. Um, I, I think you know an increased use of the slider. One scout said would, might be a good thing for him if he gets back to that you know two seven two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen form when he was kind of a rising. You can call him star, whatever you want to call him with with Cleveland. Um, so yeah, I, I think that yes, they've they've had their eye on him. They probably think, and I haven't talked to anybody in particular about it, that they can get more out of him than has shown in, in the last year or two. And that's where we go back to that buy low scenario i mean if you want to call rick Khan now he's probably in a good mood with michigan leading so if i'm clevenger's people maybe you squeeze a couple million out of him right right now but this deal is probably going to get done um very very soon before the winter meetings for sure going to have to take that physical as i said with the knee injury but um yeah i think it is a guy that's that's been sought after and they're finally going to get him does this tell us that the White Sox have kind of that, you know, they, they were never moving on from Ethan Katz or Kurt Hassler. I mean, this is a guy who I, I think a lot of people will look to interview Ethan Katz during spring training. Hey, what kind of changes? Can you work the kind of magic that you had with Lucas Giolito, that you did with Dylan Cease, that you did with Carlos Rodon? Does that kind of stuff work? Um, your, your process work with Mike Clevenger? I, there, there seems to be some faith here when the buy low, you know, the rumored buy low addition is on the Ethan Katz side of responsibilities. No doubt. Look, I, I don't want to say that the Sox have to act like a small market team, but let's just say, because they put it out there, that they're not spending a lot of dollars. Um, when I talk to small market teams about things like this, they will say our, our development is so huge, right? We have to choose the right guy, and then we have to coach him up because we only get one shot, you know, one shot at it with, with a free agent here or there. Socks are kind of in that mode. Now, we can argue why they're in that mode. I, uh, that's a whole different story. Yeah. 
Sure. But they have said publicly and, and privately to agents, we're not spending a ton of money. So we have to accept that and move on. We, again, we can criticize if you want in another sense, but we have to accept that and move on. So what do we move on to? Okay, this is the guy they've targeted, and they've got to get the best out of him. And look, Ethan Katz now has lasted through two managers. Uh, he was the guy that was going to stay above all else. So I think you're right. I think they have faith that they're going to bring in a guy or two, and they're going to get the best out of him. Now, we he's going to get the best out of him. We talked a couple weeks ago on the show about trades and free agents. And I, I think I said to you, like, if they're going to spend money, they should spend it on their pitching staff. That's still the most important part of the game. I, I, I've been all over the, the, the offense like you have. Like, it's got to get better. But if you don't have pitching, you have nothing. You have no chance. And so if you're going to spend money, I agree with spending it on the starting staff, especially. You're going to probably lose Cueto. And even if you pick up more than Clevenger, it's, it, it's you know, fine because you need as much depth as you can. So the limited dollars they're going to spend, spend it here, target a few guys, and then hopefully if they're buy low candidates, you do get more out of them. You know, you get a little bit more bang for your buck out of them than you thought. So, Jesse, I wonder this. We're going to talk about trade targets uh, in the second half of the show here after you and I say goodbye. But, you know, we, we've, we've mentioned the budget here a couple of times in this conversation. We've, you and I have kind of theorized that it's maybe around the $10 million range for Clevenger, right? right. A, a guy that's been out there maybe in some trade conversations has been Colton Wong of the Brewers. Milwaukee just traded Hunter Renfro out west to Los Angeles, uh, the Angels of Anaheim and California and Anaheim and all of the other places that they've named themselves. So it, it sounds like Colton Wong could be next. Colton Wong signed a $10 million. Is, is that more than the White Sox would be able to take on? What percentage of the, of the budget is Clevenger going to be for the White Sox this offseason? Well, I mean, I don't know the answer to that completely, but um, I don't think they have that many dollars extra to spend. Now, look, they shaved a few bucks with arbitration non-tenders, right? They're, if they do trade for a guy like Colt Wong or, or sign a new guy, I mean, there's, you lose some money, you gain some money, right? There's a lot of maneuvers to make. Um, almost every team in the league keeps their, their budget close to their vest. So I can't tell you how much more they're going to spend, but I think that the salary, the payroll is going to be similar to last year. So if they add 10, they probably got to subtract 10. Um, but, but, you know, with it, a few million, maybe they add a few, maybe it's a little less. So I, I think that's the, the point. If you're going to add another 10, you're probably going to see a subtraction somewhere else. But of course, in a trade, unless it's just for prospects, which I don't think it would be, um, you would, you're, you're going to subtract some money. And that's, that's how you get a deal like Colton Luong done. Now, Colton Luong's only signed, I believe, for one more year. So, look, it's one year for Clevenger. If they trade for a guy like Wong, it's one year. I mean, that's where you keep a team flexible that isn't going to spend a lot. One-year deals usually are, you know, you, you, can, you, can, you can figure those out. You can, you can find the money for one year. But I don't, I don't disagree. They're probably going to have to subtract to add as we move along here. And as you do the math, just look at last year's payroll. It's probably going to be similar. Jesse, appreciate you as always. White Sox fans should follow you on Twitter as long as Twitter's around at Jesse Rogers ESPN. <laughs> I would imagine you'll be tweeting the link to this story if and when the White Sox and Mike Clevenger make it official. Thanks, man. You got it, Connor. And yeah, I think you can, again, almost pencil them in and, and we'll go from there. But they'll make it official probably within a week at the latest. You know, still got to do the, 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 the physical and all that. But basically, you could talk about him as if he's here because I think he will be. Sounds like a plan. Take it easy, See you, buddy. You got That's it. Jesse Rogers of ESPN. You heard it here on White Sox Weekly. This 
It sounds like just about a done deal for the White Sox and Mike Clevenger. So they've got their five in the rotation, it sounds like. Pending, you know, anything crazy happening. Dylan Cease, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, Michael Kopech, and now Mike Clevenger. What do you think, White Sox fans? That's the big rumor. That's the report from our guy, Jesse Rogers. Mike Clevenger may well be the newest White Sox. 312-332-3776. That's the number. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. White Sox. This is White Sox Weekly. If you miss the show, we put the podcast up on the ESPN Chicago app. So listen on your time. White, White Sox, Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back, White Sox fans. If you're planning a special occasion and looking for the perfect location, well, we got you covered. When you reserve your group outing for 2023, you get priority access to the biggest matchups and the best space for your group. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash groups. Repeat appearances, back-to-back weeks for Jesse Rogers of ESPN here on ESPN 1000. You know, last week we booked him because it had been a while since we talked to Jesse. We like talking baseball with Jesse here on the show. And this week... We wanted to talk about a little news, and there's nobody better to talk to than Jesse Rogers about that. It really sounds like, you know, you listen to Jesse and and, and kind of read between the lines. Well, you don't really need to with Jesse. You never do. Uh, He he said it. It's all but done, this deal for the White Sox and Mike Clevenger. Uh, Hopefully, Jesse's able to report that soon. A lot of rumors had had it out there uh, over the last 24, 48 hours, and it sounds like it is close. And it's, I I think we characterized it a couple of different times as a, um, low, uh, high ceiling, you know, kind of risk move, a buy low, potential high sort of thing. Clevenger has some health issues over the last couple of years, Tommy John among them, um, and could slide into the White Sox rotation and emerge as a top tier guy, a little bit like getting it done a lot differently, but a little bit like Johnny Cueto was for the White Sox last season. Kind of this um, unexpected track record, though, kind of dude in that one through five. Uh, the Sox over the last couple of years, you know, as this rebuild has kind of bloomed into an AL Central Championship two years ago and, uh, you know, obviously disappointing 81 and 81 finish last year, pitching has really kind of been a, a, a backstop for them, I think. It's not the thing they've done best at different times, but it's kind of been that one a, or that second thing for them, that, that next best thing for them throughout. Um, and I, I think re- rewarding or, or relying rather on the infrastructure itself on guys like Ethan Katz and Kurt Hassler, the rest of the development um, team with the White Sox to kind of recapture the, uh, the big time stuff, the success of Mike Clevenger makes a lot of sense at the price point, you know, kind of around that $10, $11, $12 million range that Jesse and I were kind of theorizing. Again, not reported done, but, you know, you can kind of figure these things um, based on based on what we'd, we'd kind of seen, based on what we'd reported. It, it does, though, feel like this is, you know, given the way that the White Sox sound like they're going to work this offseason with the budget, um, like it is one of the bigger moves budget-wise, that the White Sox are going to shoot for in this offseason. We, we could be proven wrong on that, no doubt about it. There are guys out there 
that really fit the White Sox or could fit the White Sox, if you look at it from afar, um, that would be higher profile, higher dollar kind of guys. Michael Conforto and Cody Bellinger among them. And sure, you know, those are kind of the, the top names in terms of salary, not necessarily talent. That's Aaron Judge, and he's going to sign for like a gajillion dollars somewhere. I, I saw that Judge had flown out to San Francisco, and, and some just random fan started filming him about why he was there. And he gave some answer about, you know, visiting some family and seeing the sights or whatever. And then a big wink to the camera before they tweeted out the video. Uh, and obviously he's, he's there talking to the giants. He's, he's, you know, long been connected to the San Francisco giants. We'll see what happens there. But anyway, he's a, you know kind of the big guy out there still though, you know, lefty outfielders who could play in the corner and Bellinger who could certainly set a handle center field um, are more of the, you know, kind of uh, swing for the fences, sort of off-season moves. Guys with uh, high um, potential, but some bust potential in there as well. Cody Bellinger has been tough over the last two seasons, and Michael Conforto is coming off a shoulder injury that you know Scott Boris affirms to everyone is just fine now. Boris being Conforto's agent, uh, but you have to wait and see on that one too. So. The, the reason I bring it up and, and kind of the last few things we were talking about with Jesse when we were wrapping up the conversation around Mike Clevenger, who, like I've said, over the last you know, 24, 48, really sounds like is close to inking a deal with the Chicago White Sox to join the rotation, um, would, would kind of be, you know, what, what's left in the budget? How, how much more are the White Sox going out to spend, whether that be on the free agent market or taking on in salary in trade returns? I, I think when we kind of sum up the the comments that Rick Hahn has made uh, since the GM meetings, the end of season press conference, all that kind of stuff, he's been pretty clear that trade targets are going to be where the White Sox improve the most from 22 to 23. Now, the market could shake out differently and things could change, but that, that's kind of the way he set things up. Still, you got to take on, you know, these players aren't free. You're taking on players and, and likely, you know, if you're the White Sox, and you're trading to get better for 23, you're probably moving low-paid players, guys with team control, prospects, you know, guys who can make an impact on teams that are rebuilding a little bit, um, and taking on more salary yourself. For instance, one of the guys we mentioned toward the end of the conversation with Jesse was Brewers second baseman Colton Wong. Colton Wong fits a profile that the White Sox could certainly take advantage of. He is a good defensive second baseman who yeah, had some issues last year defensively, but overall the body of work has been a really good defensive second baseman, two gold gloves and some good um, finishes in a fielding Bible awards, I believe, uh, and outs above averages liked him uh, up until he left the St. Louis Cardinals and his first year with the Brewers in 2021. He's left-handed. The White Sox could certainly stand to be a little bit more balanced in their approach against right-handed pitching. Being left-handed tends to help that, and Colt Wong tends to help that. He's not a you know uh, a destroyer of baseballs by any stretch. He's got a career OPS of 99, and last year was one of his better offensive seasons, if not his best offensive season um, in his age 31 year. So the reason I bring up Wong, too, is because we just saw the Brewers make a move trading Hunter Renfro for a handful, three, I think, minor league arms to the Angels. Now, the Brewers have been a team in the mix in the NL Central for a little while, not in the last two years. Um, but 
is looking to, it, it sounds like, drastically shave some payroll. They've got Christian Yelich signed to a massive deal. They like to be a mid-market team um, and are, have, have had to really kind of, um, or have been reeling, I, I think, from the underperformance of Christian Yelich, given the fact that he signed to what he is. Uh, they move Hunter Renfro, who's been on the move a lot in his career. If you read the rumors, may well be a guy that they're going to move on from as well. They tend to put a contract at $10 million, and uh, that's that's his number for 2023. So I, you know, in kind of talking about that, it's it's again this needle that the White Sox are looking to thread, right? How do you stay competitive, add to this team, balance the budget? All while knowing you've got a couple of positions on this team that that are locked up, guys like Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Yohan Moncada and likely Tim Anderson, and you know you, you have moved on. It seems it sounds like from a veteran, you know, stalwart in 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 Jose Abreu, and by doing so, you've shed some salary. Abreu about eighteen million dollars off the books as it stands right now. There there could be some sort of eleventh hour deal. It, it would feel like to bring Abreu back to the White Sox, and I know a lot of fans, myself included, uh, would love to see Abreu play another year in a White Sox uniform, if for nothing else, our very own selfish and sentimental reasons. Uh, but it, it does, as, as you kind of move on from that 18, that $18 million, you've got to fill out the rest of your roster as well. And whether it be through raises on deals that the White Sox have already signed, Yohan Moncada, Tim Anderson, uh, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, so forth and so on. You've also got arbitration raises for a couple of guys. They're going to take up some, if not a significant amount, of that space itself. So as the White Sox look to fill out this roster, it does feel like the trades that you're going to, that I kind of punch into the computer, right? If you, if you go to the trade maker uh, and you use some of those kind of things, I, you, you may have to make some of the salary balance out as well. So I think it'll be really interesting over the next couple of weeks to see if the White Sox aren't more active on the free agent market first before they make whatever trade it is that they're going to try and and create as their uh, kind of big focal point in the offseason. The the starting pitching, the the pitching in for the depth of the pitching needed another arm that could throw well over a hundred innings, and it sounds like Mike Clevenger is gonna be that guy. The offense, though, was the reason the White Sox finished eighty one and eighty one. Now there's some underlying reasons uh, around that offense being subpar, you know, health being one of them, and a lot of other things too. Uh, but the fact that the White Sox didn't hit home runs is the reason that they finished 500 last year, more than anything else. So this team from 22 to 23 needs help offensively. And while Clevenger could absolutely be a game changer uh, for them, as it's a buy low potential, high potential outcome for the Sox, if indeed they get this deal done, he doesn't hit. No pitcher does anymore. So I want to talk a little bit about where uh, the White Sox may improve further offensively when we come back. And also, I want to talk about some of the projection systems that have come out and started to project. They've, they've, they've done what they do, and I think you might be surprised about what uh, a pro- certain projection system sees for the AL Central in 2023. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. 
Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Listen to Chicago's Home for Sports on the ESPN Chicago app, 100.3 HD2, and ESPN 1000. Now, on the home of the White Sox, here's Connor McKnight. Last little bit here on White Sox Weekly. You can stay up to date on all things White Sox by following the team's official social media accounts. Don't miss a minute of the action on and off the field. Follow the White Sox on social media today. They are at White Sox everywhere social media exists or still exists. You can find me on Twitter for now, at C1 McKnight. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting conversation around the White Sox over the last 24 to 48 hours. Been talking a lot about what the potential addition of Mike Clevenger would do for the White Sox in 2023. A lot of reports have had those two close. We had Jesse Rogers on earlier in the show talking about this is nearly a done deal. He was talking about this is nearly a done deal, and Jesse knows what he's talking about. And if you missed the interview uh, and you want to just – if you're catching up, maybe you're flipping away from that Michigan-Ohio State game where the Mason Blue had just beaten down Ohio State at the shoe. Oh, it's a shame. Although GM Rick Hahn's probably excited about things. Uh, and you're just tuning in to White Sox Weekly. Oh, I missed the interview with Jesse. Download the ESPN Chicago app. Every one of our shows, downloadable, on-demand content for you right there on the app. You can get to it. I mentioned before the break that I wanted to get into uh, something on fan graphs from, from Dan Zimborski, who's a fantastic baseball writer and thinker and math guy. Uh, but before we do that, a couple of uh, notes that had come up from White Sox beat reporters just after the show last week that we wanted to get to in this week's show in case you uh, you know hadn't read it in places coming back from vacation or whatever. So big credit for a couple of different of these reports to Daryl Van Scowen, um, to James Fegan, and to uh, Scott Merkin of their various outlets. Uh, they had all these different things. Triple A pitching, Triple uh, A hitting coach, rather Chris Johnson, um, who's caught a lot of praise from guys like Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets and Yasmani Grandal, um, is coming up to the big, reportedly coming up to the big league coaching staff. Not necessarily as hitting coach, it sounds like, but will be on the the, the staff with a role to be determined, to be announced, I should say. They, they know what the role is going to be. They just haven't announced it yet. Uh, Mike Tozar is apparently coming over to the White Sox coaching staff as well. He was with the Royals, long time, uh, long time confidant and hitting guy with Pedro Grafal as the two have kind of palled around uh, together as coaches for a, a decade and a half, I think. Um, it sounds like Tosar will have some sort of role again on the major league coaching staff, not necessarily as hitting coach, but potentially. Um, those are two names that we're going to talk to during spring training, two guys we'll talk to during spring training, get to know them a little bit, if indeed those reports are accurate. And the White Sox beat reporters are darn good, so we have no reason to believe that they aren't. Uh, those coaching staff moves haven't been announced by the team yet, but those uh, those would be – um, kind of expected replacements. No news on on outfield coach or infield coach, first base and third base with Daryl Boston and Joe McEwing. Uh, those uh, being the incumbent coaches at first and third, respectively. Those moves haven't been announced one way or the other yet. It is still possible that some of those coaches are coming back. It is absolutely possible that Pedro Grifol is uh, selecting his own uh, coaching staff as new managers so often do. So that's kind of the news on that side of things. One thing that I wanted to kind of mention as we wrap up the show here this afternoon is a piece that came out on Fangraphs a couple of days ago, just before Thanksgiving. 
And it is, and, and you may know, I'm a big baseball math guy. I, I like the numbers. I like the analytics. It's a big window uh, or prism through which I, I view baseball. And to that end, the Zips projections are a whole bunch of different maths that Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs has put together and run here for the last, I think, nearly 15 years. And what it does, a lot like other projection systems, is simulate a season a whole bunch of different times to find kind of the average outcomes based on this projecting projective math for where teams will finish after 2023. And to, to Zimborski's credit, to Fangraphs' credit, all this kind of stuff, this is when they publish a very early Zips projection for everybody in baseball. And you might say, well, what's the point of this if we have so many different free agents that haven't signed? Aaron Judge isn't on a team yet. He's the biggest free agent in baseball. What does it matter if we're projecting teams out already and somebody, whoever is going to sign Aaron Judge, doesn't get the benefit of having him on this projection, in this roster? Well, here, here's what I would say. I would say that what this is doing now is rating how much ground teams may well have to cover in this offseason. You know, how much more do you have to go get? How much more ammunition do you need to go chase down what is on the roster of the projected first place team? You know, if, if you're, I don't know, if you're out west in the NL West and you're the Dodgers, what do you got? And if you're the Padres, what do you got? How much do you have to go make up for in order to catch the Dodgers if you're able to do that at all? So to that end, here's where the Zips projections have each of the AL Central teams finishing. Again, this is now. It's just a snapshot right now. And I think it's worthwhile to see how it's going to change over the next couple of weeks too. This projection system, and this isn't Dan picking teams. This is the math has the Tigers finishing at the bottom of the division at 70 and 92. Right now, it has the Royals finishing in fourth place at 74 and 88. It's got the White Sox finishing third at 76 and 86. It's got the Twins finishing second at 81 and 81. And it has the Cleveland Guardians winning the division at 82 and 80. Again, that's not where these teams are going to finish. It's what this system thinks about the players each team has on their roster right now. For a lot of years, the White Sox have been a team, or specifically kind of in the middle of the 2000s, early, uh, 2010s, early 2010s, through, through most of the middle when the White Sox, or before the White Sox um, decided to go on this, this rebuild that has brought us to the end of this journey here, they were a team that had beaten a lot of projection systems for one reason or another. But right now, as, as you know, kind of this objective system sees it the white Sox have some ground to make up they've got some players to keep healthy this projection system also gives the white Sox a 14.7 percent chance of winning the division the guardians with the healthiest percent chance of winning the al central at 42 percent and obviously there are a lot of big name players that need to decide where they're going on other teams right like carlos correa is is going to opt into has opted into free agency He's not a Minnesota twin right now, but could be re-signing. The Guardians aren't known to make a lot of free agent moves, but this could be a point where they went, they go do it. If not a big-time free agent move, then something certainly that could rate big 
uh, on the relative Cleveland Guardian scale. This is a team that Terry Francona said in the middle of last year, said, well, we must be done developing because we're in the hunt for this division. So I, I thought it was interesting and wanted you to hear it uh, because I think, it's, um, I think it's an interesting measuring point here late November. Um, it's something to keep in mind as teams begin to add whatever they're going to add over the next couple of weeks. And it sounds like the White Sox are very close to adding their first impact player of the 2022-2023 offseason. Reports have that Michael Clevenger, starting pitcher, right-hander, is close uh, to a deal with the White Sox. We shall see if that is the case. And we certainly broke it down this afternoon. Big thanks to Kendra Smith, our producer. Big thanks to Jesse Rogers, who joined us on the show. Um, I may or may not, just some a little bit of, I may or may not be here for next week's show and the week after that. We've got some family things kicking around. And, uh, you know, if I'm here, we'll have a lot of fun. If I'm not, we'll tell you why. Don't worry. Everything's cool. At least, uh, at least it will be. That's for sure. Thanks for listening to White Sox Weekly. This is ESPN 1000.